For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Join us today as we touch on the topic of parental self-awareness and how it may impact our children. Welcome to Embracing Autism, a podcast for parents of autistic children seeking advice and support while spreading awareness and acceptance of autism spectrum disorder. I'm Leah. And I'm Matt. And each week we will discuss our journey with autism and talk about how to embrace your child's individuality while providing guidance, tips, resources, and sharing our personal stories. This is Embracing Embracing Autism. Autism. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Today we are talking about self-awareness. Being aware of oneself. And we are talking from the perspective of parents in this episode. So we typically focus on the children for very good reason, because I think that's really important. (laughs) Yeah, that's our focus is really to focus on the children rather than ourselves. But in order to help our children, we also have to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves. And one of the things that I think impacts children is our ability as parents to be self-aware. And by self-aware, I mean in tune with our own emotions and our own feelings. Well, you raise a good point because, I mean, it's kind of a cyclical phenomenon. If you, the parent, are not doing well, then therefore the child will not benefit because you're not the best version of yourself that you can be. So therefore, you need to elevate yourself by being self-aware to that better position so you are the best version of yourself. There's kind of a little bit of a nuanced difference between the topic that we spoke of earlier in self-care and the topic of self-awareness. When we're talking about self-care, we were really talking about just making sure that you're in a healthy state and making sure that you don't forget to put on your mask so that you can then put on your child's mask. Self-awareness is a little bit different. We are talking more about making sure that when you are in certain situations with your child where maybe things are getting heated or stressful or elevated, it's making sure that you are tuned into how you're feeling at that time to make sure that the root cause is being addressed or making sure that our feelings are not accidentally being projected onto our child or perhaps we're not functioning as well as we could because we're worried about something else and we just didn't know it. And this can be shown in our tone of voice that we are using when our child is getting into something that we don't want them to, all the way through them having a meltdown if we're overwhelmed or something and not responding appropriately. This is kind of throughout the day, just kind of keeping yourself in check, finding a balance of sorts. This is definitely something that I have personally struggled with as somebody who is a full-time work-at-home employee and a full-time mom. The struggle that I often run into is when those two worlds collide. So if I have a really important meeting and my child is needing my attention or trying to communicate with me and doesn't seem to understand that I'm in a meeting. (laughs) Yes, I'm in a meeting. My children, especially the youngest one, tends to be very, very, very attached to me. And so she's the type that if I go into 
into another room and I lock the door, she's banging on the door crying for me. Like there's no no way I can get away from her to do a meeting without her noticing. And so for those moments, I get very overwhelmed. I get very stressed out and I can't really react properly in those moments. And so one of the things that I'm working on specifically with self-awareness is trying to kind of zap myself back into a rational state of mind to kind of understand like, okay, she doesn't know what a meeting is. She doesn't know that I have a job. Like it's not her fault. She doesn't understand that she's interrupting something important. To her, it's just, I need my mom and she's not available to me. So that's something that I personally have struggled with and something that I'm continued to work on in terms of trying to be more self-aware with how I'm feeling when I start to get overwhelmed. Now, mine is kind of similar to kind of being overwhelmed. More so, I think of, I guess, overwhelmed and kind of hitting like a burnout of sorts. I guess it's kind of comparable or kind of Mm -hmm. similar boat. So mine is, I mean, I'm obviously not at home with the kids. I'm kind of out in a physical work location. So then when I get home, depending on how that day was, if it was exhausting, I feel like sometimes I'm kind of hitting my barrier, my threshold of how much I can kind of have patience in certain situations. So if our youngest is kind of going through different cabinets in like the kitchen, and I'm in the kitchen, like helping with dinner or whatever to kind of get them situated. My patience to kind of say like, okay, out of the kitchen, out of the kitchen. Like how many times do you like repeat yourself where you're like, oh my gosh, like just get out of the kitchen. <laughs> like you hit like the kind of the burnout, but then you have to kind of reflect back of like, okay, am I like saying it in a like positive way? Or is my daughter just going to be seeing her dad just be upset because he's just frustrated out of just being kind of burned out with kind of the situations throughout the workday. And that's something that I've noticed. Like I can totally tell when you've had one of those days. And I usually try to ask you like, hey, did something happen at work? Like, is something bothering you? And I feel like that's where we're able to kind of get to the root cause and talk about those things so that we kind of snap ourselves back into reality and realize, oh, wait a minute, I am acting differently and people are noticing. So that means I might be impacting people around me. And that's kind of what we're talking about with developing self-awareness in these moments. We want to make sure that when we are feeling overwhelmed, we're not inadvertently impacting people around us, those we care about. One of the things that we've struggled with is kind of figuring out that balance and trying to find a way to become more aware of how we're feeling before it gets to that point. But I think it's also helpful to have like a, I don't know what you call it, accountability partner of sorts to kind of keep you in check as well. Because sometimes you might be derailed. I would say you're derailed and I'm re-railing you. <laughs> sure. So I go- <laughs> If de- that's a word, re-railing. Sure. We'll, we'll call it for this podcast, <laughs> we'll call it a word. So kind of when you go off of the track, if someone is able to kind of put you back on and yes. you're kind of able to kind of reflect on yourself like, oh, okay, maybe I am kind of being a little more like harsh in my tone. Maybe I'm not having as much patience with a certain situation as I could resetting yourself to kind of a neutral position and then from there trying to make improvements so you're kind of able to like salvage like the situation. Correct me if you think differently, but in my impression from at least our relationship and just conversations I've had with like girlfriends is I get the impression that the men father figures they tend to be the ones that tend to fall down the rabbit hole of anger or short-temperedness. Whereas women, although obviously I just gave an example of how I easily get flustered too, but I feel like for me and my female friends, it tends to be more that we get more stressed and depressed and sad and we get impacted slightly different, I feel like, in terms of what 
our version of overwhelm looks like. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's kind of when like anger meets like depression kind of of sorts. <laughs> no, of course not. Um, hopefully we keep each other in line before we get to like that point. But no, I think you're right. I think at least from my perspective, just for myself, I think that kind of the anger component kind of leads into things because you kind of get worked up because you feel like if you're running around trying to get a bunch of things done, some things are kind of falling through the cracks and you're kind of getting upset that things aren't really like working out how you need them to in whatever day is happening. It's easy to kind of shift down and just be kind of upset in the moment. And then that carries over and builds and builds and builds and builds. And then it's something as innocent as like your youngest daughter going through like the cabinets and you're just like, oh, get out of the kitchen. And I mean, sure. I mean, I could say it in like a nice way. And yes, I try to say it in a nice way, but I mean, you kind of are derailed at that point. So it's nice to have someone to kind of keep you in check and kind of pull you back. But I agree. I think that I, I, shift more to anger versus like depression. So, I mean, if you would say the same as far as like from your perspective that you shift more to depression than anger. (laughs) Yeah. Or just like general flusteredness. (laughs) I just get, I just get really like wound up. I do feel like, you know, the example that you gave of how one of our girls going through the kitchen cabinets can be the thing that sets you off. A lot of people look at that and they're like, that's not a big deal. I'm not understanding why that's something that's working you up. And I I feel like when it comes to, you know, raising autistic children, it's different typically because typically it's a sensory seeking behavior or it's some sort of like gross motor seeking behavior. And it's something that is typically constant, at least in our experience. It's not like my kid is only sometimes sensory seeking. She is always sensory seeking. It's 24 seven. And so that is the part that kind of wears down on you. It's easy to be up to the task of making sure that they're not getting into everything and they're not jumping off the couch and breaking their neck and all this stuff. It's easy to do when you're well rested, when you've had a good day, when you have support. But if you've had a really long, stressful day at work, you're by yourself, they're getting into everything, you're trying to do a meeting at the same time that they're crying for you, it gets overwhelming. And those are the points that we're talking about here. We're talking about the constant chronic stress, not one time here or there. And it's funny that you should say that because I think of like sometimes going to work is kind of the like relaxing break of sorts because <laughs> it, it you have to be on all the time when you're kind of with the kids because it's not like they just want to like sit down quietly, watch a movie or like play a board game or anything. It's like they're using a board game piece to like beat their younger sister or something. <laughs> I mean, it, it's anything under the sun. You have to be on 24 seven versus like when I go to work, like I'm on my computer, but like, I don't have to like be like on my computer, like focused, like I'm not saving the world or anything. So yeah, quite a, quite a different uh, game. At least for you. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> when you true. work from home, it's just like this utter chaos 24 seven. Like I'm at home and I have me on the computer. And then I have a kid who thinks they're a parrot sitting on my shoulder, which is, you know, she's not, not wrong. <laughs> but she's like a billion pounds. She's huge to be on my shoulder. She's not like an itty bitty baby anymore. And then I have the other one coming up from behind me and hugging me. So it's like 24 seven. Honestly, I'm getting sensory overload with it. Well, I think, I think the problem is, I think if you work out your upper body and your core more, then our youngest being like, what, 30 pounds? You want me to get like, jacked? We'll feel like nothing. She'll feel like a little, little baby bird just sitting on your shoulder. She thinks she's a baby bird. <laughs> but back to self-awareness. <laughs> Because the re- the reason that, you know, I was talking about that is because when I was getting overwhelmed about these things, 
I wasn't necessarily aware that the reason was because I had underlying stress from trying to balance meetings and all this stuff coming at me all at once while also dealing with the auditory stress of hearing my kid cry. Are they going to get hurt? Are they not? Like, what are they up to? Just being pulled in a hundred different directions all at once. And for me, with ADD, it's a lot harder than it would be like the typical parent because I already naturally have difficulties with dividing my attention. Like it's just something that I neurologically struggle with just as a default. So then to have to stretch that further for me can ultimately end up in like this overwhelm breakdown mode. And the problem is sometimes it just happens and I don't stop to try to process when it's happening to kind of understand and gauge like what are some healthy boundaries I can set? How can I kind of predict when this train is getting off the tracks, as you're saying, and try to kind of prevent that from happening? So it's basically like you need silence to focus, but you're in an environment where it's never silent. Pretty much. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I have like, a, yeah. yeah, I mean, I have like auditory processing issues and all this stuff. So it's like, To me, it feels like I am basically told to like recite a sonnet by memory in the middle of a war field. I can't. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you're lucky if you get the alphabet out of me. (laughs) That's fair. I mean, but then I think as far as like, what would you say is a good step as far as like how to kind of get you back to kind of a neutral then? I think that the self-awareness piece for me is that when I'm starting to feel my body doing things I don't like it to do. So like when you start getting the jitters or you start getting like uncomfortable feeling like that to me is usually a signal that tells me like, okay, I need to like take a moment and like step out, breathe, do something. Because for me, that's kind of the beginning. And honestly, something that's worked out great for me is my smartwatch. Like my smartwatch has <laughs> this you like- know that you're dying and <laughs> calm well, down. <laughs> okay, so I have like the Galaxy, I think it's like four watch or something. I'm not sure the name, sure. but it has this feature on it that is like a stress level monitor. And it's actually been helpful for me because I have realized by using this watch, I've noticed that I really am not self-aware. Like I'm not aware- at least consciously, intellectually, of when I am feeling overwhelmed. But my smartwatch is. Like, my smartwatch will pick up on, like, my pulse and things like that. And it'll tell me, like, hey, stress alert. It looks like you're a little bit stressed. Here's some deep breathing exercises. And it'll prompt me to do deep breathing. Well, I know stress is, like, never, like, funny or fun. But, like, there was one time where it was, like, you, like, looked over at me and you're, like, oh, my watch is telling me I'm stressed. And we just kind of, like, chuckled. <laughs> and like, go figure. Like, I mean, I can't remember what it was, but it was, like, I don't know, potty training or something that shouldn't have overly stressed us out but did. But I don't know. But, see, that's the good thing is because since I have this watch, if you are like me and you have a hard time kind of sensing when you're getting to a point where you're overwhelmed, I would recommend getting one of these smartwatches because if it were not for my watch, I would not really be aware of when my heart rate is changing and I am getting more stressed until it's too late, like until I'm already at that boiling point. You said it beautifully. If you are basically aware that you are already acting out or already stressed, it's already too late. You're already, I mean, on the train going. You need something to tell you before or as it's progressively increasing. That's why I think also like an accountability partner or just someone just kind of able to say like, hey, babe, like, you okay? Like, what's going on? Before you actually hit kind of mid-stride, I guess. My best advice is if you're the type of person who is attuned to yourself, like if you can tell when you're starting to kind of go off the rail, 
then that's when you should take like a conscious moment to just sit and try to have a moment to kind of level set. Otherwise, if you're the type of person like me who has a hard time trying to figure out your own emotions or you're not quite aware of your body as you should be, I guess, then having some sort of like assistive device like a smartwatch or having an accountability partner, whether that's like a spouse, a sibling, a parent, or your best friend, whoever it may be, just somebody who knows you and can tell when you're starting to get to that overwhelm point. And I noticed it has had a impact like on our, our kids, for example. I mean, I think even tonight I was kind of getting like a little worked up because I thought I had to run home with my one daughter and then turn around and run back to the store to grab something. And then you basically just said like, no, calm down. Like we can get it tomorrow. Like it's not the end of the world. We're okay. And then just like the relief of like, oh, okay, cool. Like I don't have to immediately drop her off and then head back to the store really quick to then race home before they go to bed. That it's just, we can push it off until another day to address it. But then immediately from then, I was back to a neutral, more calm, like, oh, okay, perfect. I can handle this and be more patient with like the kids. And I mean, then we're able to have kind of like dinner with them and kind of a more patient, calm environment. And I think it, I mean, benefits everyone. Honestly, if you start seeing like patterns like this, I notice like with you, there is this pattern of when you feel like there's something that needs to be done, you feel like it needs to be done immediately. Even though nobody's putting that pressure on you, you put that pressure on yourself thinking, this needs to be done right now. And so we have personally gotten into conversations of like trying to find out like, okay, what's the root cause of that? Why do you feel like when you need to do something that it means that you have to drop everything and do it immediately? Trying to identify what the root cause is to your overwhelm is something that would help you get to the bottom of that. And if you're able to identify it, you might be able to work with it and maybe adjust to something that works a little bit better. Yeah, I would say definitely try new things or have have conversations that are a little bit deeper just to try and draw out what is causing the flare up, if you call it that. (laughs) (laughs) This is like psoriasis or something. I don't know. I I mean, or contact your doctor or whatever they say in the commercials. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, that's a good point. It's like trying to come to the root cause. This is something that I actually do in my career. It's called like the five whys. But essentially what it is, is a method of trying to get to the root problem of something. So the five whys is you walk yourself through the question of why five times until you get to the root of that original problem. For example, if you're saying like, I hate my shoes. And then somebody's like, why? It's be like, just because. It's like, okay, but why? Because it's itchy. Why? Because this fabric is tough. Okay, but why? Because it's touching my toe. Like you get to the point where you, well, you get to the point where you know very specifically that I am upset and frustrated because there's this piece of fabric that's rubbing my pinky toe the wrong way. Right. And it's like, you would never know that because normally when you're thinking I'm frustrated, you're not thinking to the very minimal level of it's because my shoes were annoying today. Right. So. That's like kind of like a method that you can practice with your spouse or your partner or whoever it may be that when you're frustrated and you don't know why, just try working through those five whys and going down every level. Just go a little more specific, a little more specific and see if you can get to what that real cause is. It sounds like, uh, you know, like where a kid keeps asking like, why, but why, but why, but why? (laughs) That's why we limit it to five. (laughs) You only get five. I was going to say, oh my gosh, after a while. But you find but out. I mean, I mean yeah. it, it makes sense. I mean, you would find out why. I mean, <laughs> I would hope so after five. <laughs>
Oh, no, that's a good tip. But that's like like a fun little exercise that you can do. I mean, I don't know how fun it would be. It might be stressful. <laughs> but, you know. If you're, it depends if you're asking or answering. That's because true. Because I feel asking is very different. <laughs> Which one you're on the receiving end of. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like if you have to explain that far in depth, yeah, that might not be as fun. But, I mean, right. at least you get to the root cause. I mean. Right. And that's part of self-awareness is trying to figure out the root cause of why you're feeling the way you feel and understand that how you feel and how that impacts your behaviors can ultimately impact your child. Yeah, I think definitely being self-aware and being able to kind of ask some of the more, I guess, why questions or the annoying questions, you kind of figure out and draw out the reason. I mean, it definitely, I think, will over time put you in a better position to care for your child, creating a better version of you because now you're aware of your triggers, essentially. When we think about self-awareness, for me personally, I feel like our goal is to try to ultimately become the best version of ourselves that we can be for the sake of our kids. And the reason self-awareness is an important factor in that is because if we're not self-aware, we might be doing or saying things that our kids are picking up that we're not aware of. If we have a really short temper, we might not realize that our kid is seeing that and starting to think, oh man, they must not like me or something. They might get frustrated just because you're not meeting a need because your temper is so short right now that you're not even picking up on the fact that they're asking for something. It just kind of depends on everybody's situation. But each child picks things up differently. They kind of sense things differently. And just because your child is autistic or nonverbal doesn't mean they're not aware. If you're always negative or upset, not necessarily at your child, but just around your child, then your child might grow up or think that that is a result of something that they've done. They might bring on additional guilt that in no way is of theirs to carry. I mean, that's basically putting a burden on them that is not theirs to carry. It's definitely something you should look into or address just to kind of keep yourself more at neutral if at all possible. Because I mean, I'd feel terrible if I find out 10 years down the road that my daughters felt guilty because they thought I was upset with something they had done. And that's not the case. At the end of the day, all you can really do is focus on yourself. When we are parenting our children, we're doing our best to help our children. We're doing our best to provide a good future for them. But at the end of the day, we don't control our children. We can't control their life outcomes. We can't really control our environment. All we can control is ourselves. All we can control is our own behaviors, our own thoughts, and our own actions. So when it comes to self-awareness and when it comes to influencing our children and becoming the best self that we can, we need to be able to take ownership of who we are and our actions and what we do in order to become the best parent that we can be for our children. And there's a phrase that I kind of keep coming back to in my mind. Everyone always focuses on the practice makes perfect, but I kind of like the phrase practice makes permanent because depending on how you're practicing is ultimately where you're going to end up. So if you're practicing not in a great way, you're not going to end up in a great place. Be aware of what you're practicing and how you are reflecting on your own emotions, on how if you're lashing out at your spouse and your children are watching, if you're lashing out at your children because they, I don't know, spilled orange juice on the floor. Just be aware that you're not going to become the best version of yourself if you're not actually practicing good behaviors and working towards something positive. And this is not to say that your feelings are not valid. 
This is not to negate anything that you're feeling or experiencing. The overwhelm is usually a symptom of real, actual problems and struggles. We're not saying that at all. You have a right to feel the way that you're feeling. You have a right to experience what you're experiencing. We don't want to invalidate that. We don't want to invalidate your feelings and what you're going through. What we're saying is simply to be cautious and aware of those feelings and make sure that you don't end up accidentally projecting them onto your child. And if you feel like they're impacting things negatively, do something to address those. So if you need to relax and do some self-care, work on that. If you need an accountability partner, seek one out. If you need to go to counseling or stress management, go find someone. But do something and take some actions to make sure that you are keeping in touch with your level of self-awareness and your self-care. Yeah, I think you should have every resource to make sure you're on the right track. All you basically need is another person basically to talk to, bounce ideas off of, or ask, how do I come across to you on a given topic or day-to-day environment? Hopefully the person won't lie to you first off and they'll actually be honest with you. But then you can kind of gauge that, okay, yeah, I guess I was a little harsh in this one situation. Maybe I need to reflect on that or address that differently next time. And again, if you have a hard time finding of these resources or connections, we do run a parent support group that runs monthly, and you can find that on our Facebook at Autism Wish. I think that sounds great. <laughs> so hopefully we'll see, see there, some more right? of you there, unless you don't have any of these struggles, and in which case, kudos to you, because I know I do. <laughs> you should be on our podcast and give us your tips. <laughs> but yeah, we'll see you next time, and hopefully you found this information helpful. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. To recap, we addressed the necessity of self-awareness and how having an accountability partner, seeking a counselor, and self-reflection can help you get to the root cause of your overwhelm. We also mentioned how identifying the symptoms before you get overwhelmed, such as an increased heart rate, frustration, or sensory overload can help you stop yourself from spiraling. Finally, we note how setting certain boundaries and learning to predict signs of distress can help prevent future frustration overload. Stay tuned to our next episode where we discuss the importance of creating a neighborhood village as we answer questions such as, how do I ensure my child is safe in my neighborhood? What can I do to prevent conflict with my neighbors? And should I disclose my child's autism diagnosis? This is Embracing Autism. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.